Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. Have a special guest on today, Cindy Gordon, Dr. Cindy Gordon, I should say, who is the CEO and founder of Sales Choice Bootstrap Company. Has been working with AI for 10 years and is doing some amazing work specifically around leveraging AI to protect revenue. You're not going to want to miss this. She gets deep into one of my favorite questions is leveraging Pareto's principle on like the most important critical factor that you can look at for predicting revenue. So you're not going to miss it. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale-Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Dr. Cindy Gordon, who is the founder and CEO of Sales Choice. She's currently leading her bootstrap company that helps predict close rates, win rates, as well as analyzes mood insights for employees by leveraging AI. Cindy, welcome. Happy to have you on the show. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here with you. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to getting into this. All right. So real quick, before we get too deep into your backstory or kind of where you're at, uh, let's let's get into the stage of the journey that you're at right now. So where is your company in terms of size, in terms of your ARR? Well, Ryan, I mentioned in our briefing that we're privately held, which we're very pleased to. So I don't disclose where we are at exactly in our annual revenues. Uh, we have um, a currently close to 20 uh, people working in the company, a mix of full-time and part-time. Uh, we're profitable, debt-free. Uh, I think that's the main message. Uh, we have built two products, and I'm happy to tell you more about them when you're ready. Yeah, we'd love to hear that. Just if you could give us like a quick summary of those two products, that'd be awesome. Yeah, sure, sure. When we started our journey in AI about, um, I'd say this particular product, probably nine years ago, uh, was called Sales Insights. And we could see the uh, that the large, mid to large enterprises, uh, in some cases, were having you know challenges and in inaccurate sales forecasts. And then being an early Xerox gal, I, I know the pressure points about the, you know, are you making your number or not? And if not, why not? But also the amount of overhead that goes in you know, and drilling down the operation to try and get that precision. And then the CFO always discounts it by 20%. So there's this ritual of, of uh, labor and uh, admin overhead that I just always felt was not a productive, fun process. So we decided to build a, an AI product that would be um, demonstrate responsible AI. I think that's a very good point where we everything gets audited. So did we say what would happen? Did it happen? Yes or no? And if not, why not? So the, unlike a lot of other vendors, we always validate the attributions that are in the AI model. I want to make sure that the company owns the attributions and not to say blame it on the algorithm because I, I am very well aware of the emerging third-party audits that will come into play on AI models. So we didn't want any of our clients to all of a sudden have to ask us those questions because we were already sort of audit compliant. Um, so that's probably the distinctiveness. And then, you know, we're mainly installed in large transportation logistics companies, uh, large telcos, and then also uh, some health, med tech, and professional services firms. Actually, and we have one manufacturing company now, which is interesting. Um, we The second product um, is I'd call it a passion play because when we were going through COVID, everybody that I spoke to and, you know, was always saying, hey, Cindy, how are you feeling? And I, th and I thought, hmm, something's going on here. And I thought, why are people being so friendly? <laughs> yes, I'm stuck at home in my pajamas on, you know, below in my slippers. But uh, 
we d- I did a lot of research on um, the declining happiness rates and the misery index, and 20 to 30% of the human population, uh, Ryan, wake up sad or angry every day. And I dove deeper into the increasing anxiety rates, the increasing depression rates, uh, the increasing, you know, great resignation, which you probably are well aware mm-hmm. of. And I said, something else is going on here. Um, and so we did a lot of investigation into health, wellness, um, looked at the market, saw there were lots of solutions in the B2C, but not as many connecting um, in the B2B. So that's the new product called Mood Insights. Happy to say, you know, happy people uh, can be more productive. That's always, you know, we know when people have energy and they have passion, they can connect more, they can create relationships. If they're monotone, slow paced, very quiet, the client, the buyers, you know, falling asleep. Um, And, you know, I think AI can play a very interesting role in coaching salespeople, whether it's through voice patterns, whether it's through analyzing the, the, uh, the sentiment and the discourse and the time. So we're well on that journey, uh, continuing to position ourselves deeper into the behavioral insight side. Um, yeah, so we're doing a lot of interesting things in that area and more announcements to come. Love that. So congrats on jumping on your passion play. I mean, obviously you got the, the dollars and cents with the predictive, you know, kind of forecasting to, to help with that. And I think it's amazing that you are owning, like what you're saying, owning the algorithm and not just blaming it on a black box when when things don't go exactly your way. So I think that's that's a very interesting way to approach it because I haven't heard anybody really talk about it through that lens before. So yeah, and I'm pretty with all our competitors. I know we're the only one that uh, has an audit trail and also the all the attributions that can show the pumps. And you know, if you want the other approach, you'd have to you know, have a lot of customizations, but we've tried to really build a, a very unique approach to solving the use case with the foresight of the, the laws changing in time, right? Like I expect the U.S. laws will be in place by 2025. There'll be some states that'll be before that, probably, you know, Chicago or New York or California, but uh, Florida might be later. <laughs> well, I, and I want to dig deeper into some of this because not right this second, because I want to get your backstory a little bit. So folks have some context about you and your journey, because one of the hardest things in the world, I believe, is bootstrapping a business, right? And you're successfully doing that. And you're taking on new new horizons, if you will, with stuff that you have coming up. But like, can you just walk us through how you got here today? And what was your journey? Um, well, I started school when I was... No, I'm just kidding. Um... I was fortunate to um, have early leadership roles when I was in my mid twenties as a VP at City Citicorp, early early in the investment bank, um, and then moved into large strategy of technology architectures. Through that journey, I was doing my doctoral studies <clears throat> in complexity and, and emergence. So I've always had the eye on the horizon. So if you go through everything in my life and you can see it on LinkedIn, I've always been ahead. That's a curse and a blessing, Ryan, (laughs) being able to see what's in front of you um, ahead before others see. Uh, So I've built really strong, I'd call it change transformational skills and and, and P&L operational skills. And then when I was in in, um, in the venture capital industry, obviously I learned, you know, 
as much as I needed to without being a full-time person in terms of, you know, what is a term sheet, what, you know, what are the, are the risks in a term sheet, uh, the valuation metrics, those types of things. So you, you build up your operational knowledge and financial business acumen, which I think is very important to take on a CEO role, right? So the journey's been one of uh, been seeing the opportunity, having a really good engineering team. We've, I'm proud that most of the people that started are still here in some capacity, whether they're here as a part-time uh, person, but uh, the, the, the germination of the, the depth of the technical engineers are by and large here, you know, still in the company. Um, where we're going is I think, you know, we'll probably be into an acquisition type of window because the, the, I think the capabilities we've built are probably now well-proven. There's revenue. Uh, we know what we're doing and we can augment another organization's trajectory because uh, this market is now moving incredibly fast. I have a good vision on the generative AI and where they can play out as well and, and some of the, the challenges that we'll have on the legal side. So uh, I think it's time to start stepping back and shoring up where are the best spots. And so we're starting to think about that, Brian. Uh, we're, we're obviously when you're um, an entrepreneur, you're always juggling the near-term proposal. So this morning, working on a big deal, you know, and, and then the next year, you know, you're talking to a CEO about uh, other strategies where you could possibly integrate. So, you know, it, it's a, it's, um, I don't know where we'll totally end up in 2024. I mean, there's so many variables in play right now, Ryan, I, I'd, I'd hate to, and, and I don't have enough data in our AI system to be able to prick my own future. So this is one time where, you know, you're spinning a lot of plates like we really, really are right now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and a lot of people feel that way. Uh, it's one of the most unpredictable times in human history right now with how fast things are evolving. I think uh, the CEO of Microsoft said we went through seven years of innovation in the last four months, I believe, was was one of the quotes that, that I saw on that. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. I guess you do offer a really unique perspective, though, because you've been working on or working with, I should say, AI for like 10 years now, right? So obviously, nobody has a crystal ball right now. But with where you're at and what you see and what you've experienced, like you mentioned some legal issues coming up with the audit trail component, like what's your vision of, of what do you think will potentially happen, right? Obviously nobody knows hundred percent, but what's your vision of, of what's going to potentially happen and feel free to incorporate ethics into there, uh, legalities, and then just the consolidation and innovation that can happen through the whole AI, AI infrastructure, if you will. Well, I think one of the biggest challenges we have is surveillance capitalism, right? And we've read Dr. Shoshana Zuboff, a book from Harvard it really highlights the the strength we have of the technology titans, right? And specifically being Microsoft, Google, obviously Facebook, and now obviously, you know, OpenAI, which of course, you know, Microsoft has a significant, you know, 
ownership position in there um, as well. Um, so the laws are going to be very concerned. Uh, they already are early stages on facial recognition, uh, but the laws aren't there. So it's kind of more company regulated of what they will purchase and what they will use and the societal implications. So I think we need a lot more dialogue and education of the implications. Um, the cybersecurity side of things is, you know, we get a cybersecurity breach usually every 29 seconds, I think now, in publicly traded companies. So, you know, the heightened aspects of AI, finding vulnerabilities in networks, etc., not just at work, but also in our home lives. Uh, so we're going to go into a period where fake voices, as we already know, we already see, you know, what's going on with fake news. Uh, but when you get into uh, uh, stealing um, your iris, right, fake eyeballs with digital identity footprints, um, you know, so you and I and our children are going into a space and, our, uh, you know, where surveillance is uh, is a major issue. Um, in terms of how we're, circum you know, navigating through all those dynamics, I could talk on this at length. Um, what we're trying to do is drive value in the use cases that solve a real business problem and that stays within our ethics of, I think, being responsible and, and helping a sales professional or helping a business person, um, you know, like what, what could be better, you know, in the sense of, of someone we think about it we care about you getting to president's club more than anybody. We care about you focusing on the best opportunities with the global knowledge of your company and maybe bringing in external factors. I mean, that's all possible with AI. So we could unlock, you can unlock trillions of focused revenue enablement. And that to me is very important. We've seen how the lead generators, right? you know, pump, 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 pump to increase the lead capacity. But that's not the real big game. The big game is, you know, they do the best to pump, but it's the opportunity cycles. It's the hunters that now have to advance and close. And we need to give them the precision. And then obviously I've already shared, I'd like them all waking up happy and motivated. And if not, I'd like the leaders to know that, you know, they need to have some dialogue or make some changes and to really listen, right? We need a lot more humanity in, in, uh, in the business world. And I think that's what we're trying to unleash is, uh, you know, the human advantage of these tools. Um, it should be an advantage for humans, not a disadvantage. I love that you're hitting the logic and the emotional side of it. So, so let's dive a little bit deeper into that. So <clears throat> with the, the predictive side, right. In terms of the forecasting, like how exactly does that work? And then, you know, what is your solution focus on? And, and can you give us some examples of results that it's created just so, Sure. We can wrap our heads around sure, it a little bit. And then I'd love to get on the, yeah. um, you know, the mood side as well, just like how that works. I'm totally intrigued by that. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a pet project here too. Um, the, on the sales side, the most important thing is um, leadership is number one. Forget about the software. And really to be attuned to um, their beat as a culture and how they go about their forecasts. Um, and their utilization of Salesforce. Because rule number one, you don't have good data, you can't do AI very well, right? So that's really how we've designed the software. So we give a view of the data and how good it is clearly in the model. So you can see Ryan has been a good boy. 
you know, 90% of the right fields. Because the key thing in, in AI is it's not what's populated. It's are the, is the right data in the fields and are they the strongest correlations to predicting an outcome? So the science does the sniffing, right, in large sets because everybody in Salesforce automates their workflows in different directions, different sales gates. You know, there's some basics that are there, like, you know, the industry, the, the size of the company, the, um, you know, you know, the number of days it's in stage, whether it's a net new or renewal. So the science can do a lot of sense making. And usually these models sometimes have 100 or 80 variables that are going through all of the historical transactions. You're, find, you're trying to find really the density, right? Like where is this centric, centric, it's like physics, right? Where is this centrifugal force, right? And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a computational model, right? But then around it, it's the user, it's the user interface experience and it's the, the graphical visualizations that make sense. So why not, if your date range is out of whack, why not have the AI say, hey, Sherlock, you know, your date range is X, but by the way, um, all the cycles like this have, have only only closed in this amount of time. So you must be sandbagging, chuckle, chuckle. Or you're really bad, but you can have fun, right? You can, you can add humor. Uh, so the gamification side of things is where we're going to take the next leap. Um, the other thing, you know, is we've learned in building these things is there's model drift. And I, I don't think a lot of AI companies, you understand it, they, they think, well, let's put it this way. It's not hard to build a software product, use AI and put some user interfaces. The question is the integrity, right? And so if you only drive a mechanical system, buyer, you know, buyer may not know, buyer doesn't understand how you came up with things. And they may not have enough maturity and analytical logic, depending on what sector you're selling into. Um, and, and we've been very cautious uh, about about you know those approaches and those methods. Um, so I think the 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 what we've learned is there is model drift, like especially in market conditions. So like what we saw with one of our large clients, um, uh, it's about a two billion dollar company, where all of a sudden they were into more B to C versus B to B transactions. Well. The AI history didn't have any B2C, like it didn't have that kind of volume, right? So it wasn't putting the same recognition uh, on the computational math. So that's what I mean by model drift. So as you come into these market conditions, you do need a data scientist to uh, go in and say, you know, things aren't changing as fast in the data set, but we can see the trajectory based on the early signs. We better go and balance things out. Uh, so we can derive the same logic. And I think that's very important. And so, you know, we've learned to build into our contracts, um, AI model drift reviews. It's a very important process. And uh, I think that's one of the learnings that it takes a while to be into this stuff before you realize that software doesn't always work like other software. <laughs> um, <laughs> but those are some observations. In terms of the results, you know, they're all on our website, the case studies. Um, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them that are where, you know, we're at levels of, in one client, we're at 90% accuracy on every deal, whether it's at the beginning of the sales cycle, at the end, on a win or a loss. That's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, I love that. So, um, and a lot of the clients use this for a risk proxy, you know, in the finance side. And that's a nice spot to be because, you know, they show what they think they're going to land as their number, but sales choice is the AI risk auditor. And a lot of the clients just go with our number and we're usually more right than what the VP of sales says. Uh, but, you know, it, it also can give a CFO confidence, right? 
part of the challenge is getting the CFO, the C, the senior CRO into integrated reporting in real time. And I think that's one of the broken processes. Like I think that the CFO should be able to see all the sales data anytime they want in the views that he or she wants, mm-hmm. right? Um, because at the end of the day, um, y- you know, they're, they're both at operational risk of not meeting, especially in publicly traded companies. And uh, I think the CFO sees things too late. They, they have an adjustment to do. So I think we have a broken logic. And maybe we'll see futures where CFOs are overseeing sales ops. That's interesting. Um, I actually just saw a report because um, I'm a, an ambassador for Gartner's community that they just put together. And uh, one of the things in the reports that they had is that that's they see one of the, the jobs based on the survey, right? And this is of like revenue leaders within there is that the the first job to get replaced with AI as sales ops was, which was, I thought was kind of interesting. Right. Um, so, well, you know what the, let's put it this way. Um, AI can identify patterns for sure. And it can generate reports, but you know, you need a human review because you can't sue an algorithm. So I think people are being a little bit naive on it's more around there will be some headcount reductions, but it's like a surgical doctor, right? I mean, you're, you're getting a report manifested to save you time, but you're really going to want to make sure that the logic is there uh, because the humans are depending on it, right? Like your, your citizens, your investors, you know, so um, I, I, I think that process, it's a long, it won't be here in my total lifetime, I think before, you know, I think there'll always be the human checks and balances. Plus, as I said, with the laws coming in that will come in, <laughs> you know, they'll be very clear on third party audits on any financial matters that where AI is involved. Well, I want to be sensitive on time. So I want to ask you one more question um, before you share where people could find you, because this is, this has been great. I guess like if, if we're looking at predicting forecasting in let's apply Pareto's principle. Like what would you, what would you say is the the top 20% that's going to give you the best 80% result when it comes to accurately predicting, you know, revenue, like what kind of variables would you look at for that? Um, well, there's, a, there's a certain number that seem to be the same in all the data sets. Um, obviously the opportunity type, if it's a net new or a new, new account, right. Um, obviously, kind of logic if it's a, a renewal pardon me net new or renewal you know you're going to see a higher probability on on the renewal side right uh, and then you can calculate very quickly the the churn in the and the renewals and you know if you only need to adjust the other one that always plays out is the industry you know obviously right the number of days that it's in stage mm-hmm. um the intelligence also in the email objects can be very telling as well uh, particularly around the speed of communication between the buyer and the seller, right? Um, because sales, for those of us that have been in a long time, you know, the, those interaction play back and forth, back and forth, right? And also the nature of the dialogue, the actual language and parsing that using NLP can be very, very insightful, right? So that's where AI can start to seep into things. Um, what we've also learned is is that uh, the sales gates are really mathematically flawed that people put into Salesforce. So it's nice to see them, 
but the science, you know, as we often see, because I'm at a proposal stage, that the company says I'm at 50% odds. The science will say you're at 5% odds <laughs> at the proposal stage. And that would be because of, it might be um, the win rate of the actual person. They've never done a deal in the last 12 months or how long they've been in the company plays out too. So, you know, in answer to your question, Ryan, every company has a unique AI data model. Some variables show up consistently. Other times there's a lot of surprises uh, that even the client's shocked by of something that they never thought uh, would have such a significant pattern. Um, one one client was uh, the discounts, the range of discounts. And by consistently putting things in this particular band, it was way more successful than any other band. So why have all the other freaking bands? Because every time you put it in the other band, you never won. You know, so it's some things, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is statistical logic, but it's taking the time to look at the patterns. And and that's really where AI and analytics can help. It can visualize the patterns and do the sense making. And, and, you know, what I've learned is so many people in sales don't have enough analytics and mathematical or statistical background. Um, so, you know, in sales, op, <clears throat> you know, the kind of skills that are going to be needed in the future are, are going to have to have visualization and data uh, intelligence um, and good math skills uh, We'll start to see a shift in some of the competencies a little bit. Well, I think you nailed it. I, I literally just went through and reconciled it. I think there's 18 unique skill sets that you need to be good at to be highly proficient in enterprise sales and across all the four disc profiles. I mean, it's wild. So um, I think we're sitting from the same hem, uh, hem, hymnal there. Hymnbook? Hymnbook? <laughs> so, Amen. Yeah, hymnbook. Um, so, Cindy, we, unfortunately, we're up on time. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you and Sales Choice? And then we'll wrap it up. Very easy. It's just www.saleschoice.com, 416-230-6538. Cindy at saleschoice.com. Uh, Dr. Cindy Gordon on LinkedIn. Just type my name into Mr. or Mrs. Google. And, you know, I come up, you know, I think one or two I'm right up there. So no, easy to find, very approachable. And plus, you know, Ryan. So just ask Ryan. He knows how to get a hold of me. <laughs> well, thank you for being on. It was a pleasure having you on, Cindy. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it as well. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue and growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.